0: Today on The Woes of Frozen Plumbing Pipes with Jimmy DiResta, <laughs> we're going to hear about... I'm just kidding. <laughs> what so, happened?
1: Oh, you are recording. I don't see yes, the timeline I am recording. Again. It doesn't... I last week it. it showed it. Now it's not showing it. I just see the I word record. But um, la- uh, these this couple days, these last few days, the, the temperature went below zero. And I think... I'm going to say this straight away. I think one of the most important things to know as a homeowner... Is where your main water shutoff is. Because now, with the world going crazy and it's being freezing in certain zones where it's never been freezing before, it's extremely important to know where that little knob is. Just like there's one on top of your sink, one there's one behind your toilet, there's one for the whole house. Take the time to go and find out where that is so you can just shut it off. I'll tell you guys a crazy story. So, I had three frozen pipes this week, nothing that resulted in like super detrimental damage. A couple of them are repeat customers, things that I expected to break, but hopefully I was trying to mitigate them from happening. But they did happen. Anyway, long story short, um, I had three frozen pipes I replaced. uh, I had to do two shark bites in one long pipe, and I had to replace the feed pipe to the house itself. It was an old PVC pipe that broke. I showed it on Instagram. But Saturday night, me and Taylor were in Hudson, and there was uh, a blackout. It was about midnight or 11 p.m. And all of a sudden, the lights in the house go out. And we look down the street in Hudson because we have an apartment in Hudson. We look down the street in Hudson. The entire street is out. There wasn't one light on. It was crazy. It was just like a classic horror movie blackout. There wasn't one light except for a police car going down the street. And so it was like minus three degrees. And we just went to sleep. And when we woke up, the lights were on. The house was warm enough. The apartment was warm enough. The whole building stays warm. So we were okay. But apparently there's a building on the opposite corner of where the apartment building is that has the family owns the whole building. They own like four apartments in the big, giant, fancy retail shop. And on Instagram, we saw that that night the electric was out for about five hours. They caught a frozen pipe and the pipe filled up like the top apartment. All the water went to the second apartment. All the water went to the retail store so every floor yeah. of the house got damaged simply because one person didn't know where the uh, turn the knob off to feed the house so when you wake up and water's coming out of the ceiling and out of the walls you run to the basement or wherever that feed is and you just shut that knob off they showed on Instagram it, what looks like a waterfall they're like look there's a waterfall I'm like why are they taking the time to film this run to the basement and shut the main feed off <laughs> but they didn't know they didn't know any better and now they probably have 100,000 dollars worth of damage because the water just filled up what happens is if you have a beautifully buttoned up house with beautiful sheetrock and you know your house isn't like a bunch of open holes like my house the the walls will fill up with water before it starts leaking you know so if your house is beautifully done and you have a broken pipe inside of a beautifully well done house the ceiling will fill up with water and just find the place where it slowly starts to come through. And by the time you see it, it had been running for a half hour in the ceiling, you know, the water starts coming out of the high hats and you're like, Oh my God. You know. And you also got to always listen. I've been super sensitive for the last two days. Anytime I hear in the walls, I'm like, okay, where's that coming from? Where's it? Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. That's just, uh, you know, something's regenerating or the toilet's got to, you know, a slow fill up. So, yeah. Word to the wise. You know, just know where your off is. So, next week's video is going to be me fixing three broken pipes in the house.
2: <laughs> no, it's
1: not. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Oh, well, that's a bummer. But it's all right. Like I said, I, I was telling you guys before we started what do people do if they don't know how to fix this? I mean, I went to Home Depot, bought, you know, $50 worth of parts and came back here and cut out the broken section of the copper pipe and put in a shark bite. And that's these things that kind of self-repair. You just push them into place. And that was that. It would have been a $2,500 repair for somebody that doesn't know better.
3: Hmm.
1: It's uh, you know, it's a tough one.
3: Yeah. Plumbing is terrible. You just watch a couple of YouTube videos and you're good to go.
1: That's it. The very, you watched the very first video on how to shut the water off to the house.
3: Mm. <laughs> that's the most Yeah, okay, I was telling you before we hit record, A couple years ago, we had uh, a couple different pipe issues in the middle of winter, and the first company comes out, and it's like, where's your shutoff? I'm like, I have no idea. They couldn't find it. Like, this is unbelievable. We cannot find your shutoff. And then, uh, so they shut it up. There's an access out by the road, way out in the front yard. Then a few weeks later, we have another issue, and we have a different company come out, and they're like, where's your shutoff? I'm like, apparently there is no shutoff. You have to go out by the road. And they're like, that is not. case you have a shut off somewhere they looked everywhere they went through every closet they went through all the crawl spaces and they could not find a shut off they're like you don't have a shut off and they had to go out to the road and do that and finally we had a shut off yeah yeah
1: that's important i even like saturday night when i went to hudson and i knew that it was going to be below zero i shut the main off to the house and before i lived here full-time every single time i left the house i would shut the main off even in the summer because maybe a fixture might give up or, or a solder joint might give up under pressure. So every time I left, I would shut the main to the house. Every, and now, especially winter, if I'm not going to be here overnight, I shut the main off to the house just in case. It doesn't mean a pipe won't freeze and the system might bleed out, but it's not going to keep feeding.
0: Yeah. right. My dad brought up the other day that because, uh, you know, we have hoses outside, and the kids are always like, no matter the temperature, the kids are playing with the hose, like, I don't know, doing something with it. And he made the point of, don't forget to just undo the hose so that you don't leave it attached by accident full of water, and then, you know, it freezes in a couple of weeks or whatever, you know. And that was a good reminder to just make sure that I always disconnect them during this time of year, you know, when you're not using them just so that they don't cause a bigger problem. But, well, David, what have you been up to?
3: I This is going to be really quick. I'm not really working <laughs> on a project this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I had a, a hectic December, and then I was like, I'm going to take the first week of January off and just kind of take it easy. And I ended up not doing that. And then it's just kind of built up to this week. And I don't have the pressure of a deadline. There's no sponsored video due this week. And so I'm just kind of cleaning up the shop. I'm fixing some things that need to be fixed in the shop, and just taking it easy. So I, there's not going to be a project video this week. There will be next week, but uh, yeah, um, I feel I feel good, and then I feel guilty at the same time. I'm very mm-hmm. very anxious. It feels like whenever I do this, I feel like ah. Everything is falling apart, the business is failing because I don't <laughs> you have skip one week, something you're like, that That's I'm working
1: it. on. It never going God, back. It's so
3: it's so <laughs> weird how my brain works like that. But yeah. And then next week I'll be working on something that I'm super passionate and and that I love and it'll feel like the whole world is right. Yeah. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it I do need a mental break every once in a while.
0: You know, I was thinking about this, this morning that for me, uh most of December I was pretty wiped out. I was just kinda ready to be done, you know. I was tired for the year, and it was going through all that stuff that oh, I think a lot of us go through at the end of a year where we're just like, oh, I'm out of ideas. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, I don't have the – I'm just like, oh, you know, we're just tired. And so I went into the beginning of January thinking like, okay, got to get back to make the donuts, kind of <laughs> slog through it, and was a little bit worried about like – Not worried, but I I was just thinking a lot in my break at the end of December, just like, man, what am I going to make next year? Like, there's got to be some, I don't know. There's like nothing's really sticking out, you know? There's nothing that really sounds exciting. I mean, I'm working on the car, but I feel like this is going to be tough to come up with stuff. That's how I felt, like, going into it. And then we got started in January. Somebody on the team immediately got COVID, so we had to, like, kind of take a break. And in that break... We did a lot of meeting and a lot of talking over, you know, online. And then I don't know what happened, but you I got like an ideas. adrenaline shot <laughs> in my brain or something. And I was just like, whoa, okay, we can make this. We can make this. And now we've got, you know, videos planned out to March. And like, I don't have enough time. How am I going to make all this stuff? I get so much to do. <laughs> and it's crazy. And then my daughter got COVID last week. Um, she's mm-hmm. fine. But uh, that that thing the the covid thing right now is different in the world than it was 2 years ago but it's still so disruptive even though the from a health perspective like you know we've got it pretty good she's fine she just has some cold symptoms but it disrupts work scheduling and who we want to be around and it disrupts school stuff which disrupts home stuff and man so and the reason i'm saying that is because I got this like shot in the arm of like, all right, let's get to work. Like I got, I'm excited. I got stuff to do. I got, we have plans and we're just going to have to wait another 10 days. <laughs> you know? It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'm stuck at home a little bit longer. But anyway, so I feel you, David, that break, I took that break at the end of December that you're talking about taking. And it was both really nice and really like, oh no, what such a doing? weird feeling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. Well, I, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you get some of the stuff done around your shop that you have been putting off because I know that feeling as well.
3: Yeah, one of the issues so, um, I, my table saw is not cutting super crisp, clean lines. I have the, the Forest Woodworker 2 blade, where, you know, and they advertise like you get joinder like cuts. And I was getting that, and I'm not getting that anymore. And I had the blade sharpened came back and it's still doing it so um i just need to go out and measure the the tooth distance to from the tooth to the the, the fence. um to the to the fence to the fence um front and back and maybe i have got a bad tooth but i just haven't done that i've just kind of dealt with it and um it's just one of those things i i got to do that and then i got to get my overhead dust collection for the table saw back on I took it off to experiment with some things and I haven't been doing that and then when you cut plywood just plywood dust goes everywhere Mm. and I see it in the videos and I'm surprised nobody's commented like what is up with your dust collection (laughs) Um, it's it's things like that my closet where you don't see everything is just a huge mess right now so much can be taken out and reorganized and um, these are things I'll just feel better once I get these things done
0: yeah we, I've been doing a bunch of that stuff around the shop as well over the last few weeks um, in the downtime waiting on different things. Like I moved our, my big dust collector, I moved it about, I don't know, maybe six feet in one direction, which seems pointless, really, <laughs> especially after <laughs> having it done. I'm like, it's exactly the same, only right there. Um but I had to move the, the 220 plug for it just over a few joists, and then I had to, you know, move the plumbing that was going to it for the air. But the point was we had moved the CNC, and so it just didn't need to be where it was anymore. It could be closer to the rest of the tools, which takes down the number of turns in the pipe to get to it. Theoretically, it would be more efficient, stuff like that. But it's weird how much effort went into just moving that thing a couple of feet, you know. And it's effectively the same, but... There's been a bunch of stuff like that that's not very motivating to do, but then it's out of the way um for me, I made a sign this week, which has been really interesting. It should be out by the time this uh this show goes out. Have you ever heard of an artist named Brian Kessinger Mm-mm. no he uh is somebody I've been following on Instagram for a long time and he he he's a character designer and he does all sorts of character you know, animated character designs and stuff. But he did, he's gotten kind of famous for these mashups where he'll take Star Wars characters but draw them like Calvin and Hobbes or he'll take two characters from That's totally cool. different worlds and different comic things and squish them together and make these really funny, really cute little things. But I, I think he works for Netflix or Disney or both or something. I don't know. He's done a bunch of stuff and he's a really awesome artist. So – uh. He's also building an R2-D2. So we've been talking a little bit over Instagram about R2-D2, and then he reached out and he has this sign that he designed from the most, well, not the most recent, but a recent episode of The Book of Boba Fett. It's a Star Wars show, Jimmy. It's about Star Wars. <laughs> and uh, Bobo get. So there's kind of a long way around, but let me get to this. So, sorry, this is spoilers for an episode of a show that was a couple of weeks ago. In this episode. oh wait. Let me mute. In the start <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> this character makes a a stick. It's a like a it's called a gaffy stick, and it's like a like a blunt fighting weapon. I made one of these about a year ago. Uh, I made a YouTube video about it. So in this show, this guy makes one and he's making it in the desert with like hand tools and he's carving this stick down to make a melee weapon. So Brian made a sign called the new Tuscan workshop and it's like the the new yankee workshop but mm. instead of norm or whoever's on the sign it's this star wars character holding this little stick it's really really funny so he sent me the files for this sign and i made that into a physical sign like the one on oh, new cool. yankee workshop painted the same all that stuff and so the video ended up being about the advantages of cnc or laser like if you're going to because people ask us all the time if you're going to buy one you know, if you want to put one in your shop, which one do you get? What's the most advantageous? So we use both to make the sign and then talk about the differences and why one might be more useful than the other. Maybe, maybe not. Um, anyway, so the video is is making that sign, which is interesting because I never get to make signs. And so uh, I talked to Derek from Alden and asked him some questions about how he gets the finish that he gets. And I did not get the finish that he gets, but it's still pretty good. Um he's really dialed that in. So anyway, that that video I think was a lot of fun. And Anthony in editing it, Anthony kind of styled it like uh, New Yankee Workshop, which mm-hmm. is really funny. Oh. It's like our intro with little like acoustic music behind it and stuff. It's it's pretty good. Mm. So
1: you got like kind of like uh country, like little country music kinda underneath yeah. it. That's, yeah, it's yeah. cute.
0: It's, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> anyway, so that's coming out this week. And uh Then I've been working on a a bunch of other stuff. I'm trying to get several videos happening at the same time, and it's interesting because there's a lot of 3D modeling and even some 3D printing that I'm doing as preparation, as like exploration for upcoming videos. And oddly enough, it's been a really long time since I've modeled anything to print. I've modeled a lot of pieces to just like visualize something that I'm going to make, you know, like a piece of furniture or whatever, but It's been a long time since I've intentionally modeled a thing to print in the real world to serve a purpose. And so that's been an interesting thing. I'm doing some stuff for cars. So I'm taking like some parts off of one of my cars and remodeling that part so that Mm -hmm. I can make replacement pieces and things like that. And so that's been kind of fun to get back into 3D printing. I haven't really done much of that in a while. So I've been working on that. I'm working on my uh, rotisserie. And I've been... Welding, like crazy, and getting better at welding, I think. I'm sure not everybody would think that, but I think I'm good at
1: <laughs> Bob, is your rotisserie going to be attached? Like, will one base be 15 feet away attached to the other base? Or are they going to be yes. screwed to the floor? It'll be one big thing.
0: Yeah, it'll be – so I'm making the two ends separately, um, and the whole thing is built around two, two different sizes of square tubing that can telescope. And so – I have the two ends and then a telescoping piece that will go across the bottom underneath. So once I get the car lifted, the body lifted, I can pull the chassis out from underneath it. Mm -hmm. I've got it on those roller things that we've talked about before. Then I can attach the bottoms of these two pieces. Then I'm going to lift both of those things up onto casters. I'm not starting on casters for reasons, and I'll get yelled at for it, but so be it. So, and I'm going to lift the whole thing up on casters because I have to roll the entire assembly out into the yard to get it sandblasted. Mm-hmm. So those have to be attached for that to work. Right. You know.
1: So wait. So the car itself will be the the attaching part from one side. No, to the there'll other? be
0: like a there'll oh, be a square right. tube that runs underneath oh, okay. the car between right. the bases, right, 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 and right. The, that'll be bolted together. So. And then I guess the car will also, yeah, you know, it's it's bolted end to end,
1: yeah. That's cool. Looking forward to seeing it,
0: that. It's been really it's been really interesting to do. Um, so far, it is still in my shop. It's not been near the car. I'm not entirely convinced that it's going to work. <laughs> I don't think it's going to fall apart, but I don't think it's, you know. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, <laughs> I kind of got started on it. It was just like, well, I mean, I don't know. I need these two pieces welded together. So I just did that, and then I did this, and then I did that. And now I have two frames with hydraulic you know, rams on them that can lift parts up and then they can spin and then they have locking pins and it's it's turned into the thing. But I don't know if it's going to work. And so I've put a lot of effort and about $700 of steel into mm-hmm. this thing and I'm like, I, I really just don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm anxious to get them out there and uh, kind of get them hooked up to the car and there's there's a couple of parts that I'm now at a point where I have to I have to get them in place to weld like the the attachment points to the car are not it's kind of hard to explain but the two arms that attach to the car are not parallel. They're like flared out a little bit. And so I I can't weld those here. I have to take out take them out there and set the whole thing up and actually get them held in place with magnets and figure out the right angles and then tack them. Mm-hmm. So I've pretty much done what I can do here except for drill holes to drill a whole bunch of holes and mm-hmm. then every, then it'll be ready to go out there and actually start putting it on the car so it's exciting
1: you're going to be drilling holes in that steel make sure you use a drill that has a handle on it you don't want yeah I've got a wrist. big
0: a big, big drill um, and I th- actually I was going to ask you about this because I recently also bought one of the cheapest possible plasma cutters that I could find
1: Mm-hmm. Handheld one um, or a CNC?
0: It's handheld. Yeah, it's just a little little wand. And I've played with it for about five minutes, so I know that it will blow a hole through the steel that I need it to blow a hole through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I was thinking, I have to drill a whole bunch of holes to put bolts through, uh, half-inch bolts, so that I can lock all of these pieces together, right? So you're like... You know, just tighten in bolt. So I'm going to be welding on a nut. Well, okay. So I'm going to have a piece of square tube, drill a hole in it, weld on the nut, put the bolt through that nut, and then tighten it down, and that's how I'm going to lock things together. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, does it make sense to use the plasma cutter as the pilot hole for all of these, or would that be blowing out enough molten metal inside the pipe that I would have to then deal with, you know, like a weakness? Not a weakness, but, like, if it melts a hole, the melted steel has to go somewhere. It's probably going to go down inside the pipe. and then It'll I'm just have make, to like, a right. lot of little BBs, yeah. But it won't, like, leave a big booger sticking inside the pipe that I'll have to no, figure out how to get rid I of? No, I mean,
1: it all depends on, you know, once you get it dialed in and you could really do kind of almost even like a laser cut. It'll cut like mm-hmm. a laser, you know, if you got it dialed in well.
3: If you don't have it dialed in well, though, you get a really messy bottom. <clears throat>
1: Like a- yeah, the the only thing I could think that would be is just a consistency is like cutting a perfect round hole or a hole round mm-hmm. enough. The I think the bigger problem is if you're going to weld nuts and bolts in, you got to be really careful because if you're going to use what size three eighths or half inch, half inch, half inch is a little bit because you need a lot of meat on the bolt itself because you could say you, you kind of have it loosely attached. You have the nut loosely attached to the bolt and you put it in place and you weld it and you weld it and you weld it. And now the nut and the bolt are fused together from the excessive heat, even though you didn't actually, you know, even if, especially if it's anodized or galvanized, you know, the galvanization kind of melts together. And then you have a bolt that has a nut, you know, as a nut and a bolt, you can't get them apart. So Mm -hmm. you just got to be, conscious that's happened to me where you think oh this is going to be easy i'm just going to put a bunch of studs here and then unscrew them and then i'll have a bunch of bolting ma- mounting spots and then you-, you realize you overheated everything and nothing comes apart
0: so, so you have, don't and you wouldn't want to just bolt uh weld on the nut without the bolt in it because it could deform
1: or, or you want to also bolt. make sure the trajectory of the threads are in the right direction you know you know, it's a good way to hold yeah. it so if it's at the end and you make sure, like let's say if you put a 4-inch or a 3-inch bolt, you can see where it's pointing so that you know, tack, tack, right. tack, and then take it out and then weld it. But like mm-hmm. I said, just be gotcha. careful you don't overheat it because you'll deform it, obviously.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: you, you just practice so with, a little with, bit and you'll get, the, you'll get the hang of it.
0: Well, with the plasma cutter, the idea was not necessarily to be able to, to cut a circular hole but just to get through. It's quarter-inch steel. So right. to get a pilot and then come back with a stepped bit and open that pilot up.
1: Oh, no, I the think right then you're, you're probably better off drilling then. Oh, really? Yeah, because what happens is when you plasma cut, it creates a hardened surface. So the opening oh. of that hole might be harder than your drill bits.
0: Wow, be- okay. Because
1: it gets it gets up to like five, it gets up to, I don't know, man, people are going to send me hate mail, but- It gets to like 40,000 degrees, the plasma. <laughs> <laughs> and it will create a hardened, crispy edge. So huh. that you think you could go to drill, and then your drill bit just melts. And that crispy okay. edge is only like, you know, a thousands thousands of an inch thick, but it's enough of like a... It's it's like case hardens it, basically. Interesting. So you'll plasma cut a hole that has a case-hardened edge that'll be very difficult to get through, and you'll destroy your, your drill bits very quickly. Okay. Hmm. I'm glad I asked, then. And so that happens, and I learned that the hard way myself, is... When I plasma cut the knives out of steel, even if I'm using like a tool steel that's unhardened, like a 1095 or something like that, the plasma cut edge, I learned this by, say, for instance, I make a big kitchen knife and I plasma cut the two pilot holes where I'll drill for the pegs that hold the handle in and I need to make them a quarter inch and the plasma cut only did, you know, three sixteenths. I can't drill through those holes because hmm. those holes have a case-hardened edge. Now, there's probably someone screaming at their podcast play right now, but that's been <laughs> my experience.
0: <laughs> that's good I, to know. I would not have considered that. I only I get to use my plasma cutter like twice a year. And my
3: it, it is a it is kind of a skill and a feel for trying to get a nice clean edge because too hot, too much air or whatever, it, it's it's really messy. And I compare my plasma cuts to Jimmy's CNC plasma cutter, which looks like it's laser cut. You get these perfectly crisp, clear edges. And I got this this molten steel just dripping off of my edges. And it makes me feel bad. But I I know I can't compare myself to a CNC. A
1: a handheld uh, plasma cutter (laughs) should cut really well if you have it dialed in. It's just a matter of like, you're right. And then also your consumables go bad. So Bob, make sure you have some consumables on hand for the tip and stuff. Because that's always the problem. You know, Aaron would always say, Two is one, and one is none. So, you know, if you have one set of consumables that are on the torch and you blow them, then the whole machine is useless. So, make mine, sure you have at least a few.
3: You have to hold up the... It, it can't touch the steel, so it has to be held up like an eighth inch above the steel. Mine has this, like... Uh, i n- little little never set used of it. L- little Little training, training yeah. wheels on there, so you can yeah. get nice little... Some of them like have just like a little standoff
1: mm. piece of, like, steel, chrome steel that just stands off. Yeah, that's what mine has. <clears throat> um, but... You could potentially, Bob, make, so let's say if you got to make a, you got to make a three quarter inch hole, let's say, make a CNC or laser cut a disc that might be two inches that your nozzle will fit in and create that hole right where the nozzle cuts. So you're basically making an exterior template that your nozzle, your torch head will fit in. And if you ride the extreme edge of that, the torch will make that half inch or three quarter inch hole. So if you do that, that's quicker than drilling. Yeah. So your pilot hole, if you get the hang of just going, cutting that circle, and it'll drop out like a dime. It'll drop right out. Or you just poke it out with like a pecking hammer. And then you're ready to go. And then you could weld right to it. That would be a lot. Because, I mean, I have like 24 holes Yeah.
0: or something. So so I would try that. I would just make like a
1: template and just experiment on some cutoffs. See if you can't get dial in that. And you just do that, you'll be done in 20 minutes once you get your done. Otherwise, it'll take you probably 10 minutes per hole to drill. Yeah. And then you could also, yeah. if you felt like investing in, you know, Chris Zeppo always talks about it, and I still don't have one, a magnetic drill, you know, where you could yeah. magnet it. And it's almost like a it's like a mini bridge port, the way it works, because the speed is slow, and you could use the hollow core drill bits that make a nice, perfect hole. That's another yeah. option. But to drill it well, by hand, those big holes are really. Those yeah. those are risk breaking holes that you know you you actually could it might be too late put all drill all those holes in the bridge port super easy. Well
0: that's a consideration cuz a lot of the pieces that need the holes are the outer sleeves of things mm-hmm. and so that they're independent pieces, you know. Oh, so then you could throw them in the like bridge port if they're frame. still not welded yeah. together. Some of them, but yeah, yeah. some of them I'm still going to have to and give you a good I did look at use the use mag it. drill. The mag drills are like 1000 bucks.
1: Purchase. No, you own it. You own a big, giant mag drill. It's magnetic to the earth because <laughs> of its weight. <waves. laughs> yeah,
0: gravity drill.
1: Yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, that's that's a. Uh... But those are for drilling quarter-inch steel by hand with a drill that you hold in your hand is a wrist breaker. Yeah, because if you have a you know drilling a hole that's like quarter inch and smaller, the drill bit will break when the drill gets hemmed up. But any bigger than that, the drill will twist, and so will your Tibia and fibula in your forearm. Yeah, so be careful. Cool. Even seasoned uh, veterans like Andrew Alexander, my uh, blacksmith tool friend, he broke his wrist last year drilling really? quarter-inch steel. Oh, dang! And he says he says he was an idiot. He says he wish he didn't do it. He knew he knew the potential, and he's like, oh, maybe I'll get through it. And then even when you're on slow speed, that's when it's dangerous when on slow speeds because all of a sudden you're like, oh, I could hold this wall, I can't hold it, and then all of a sudden mm. your wrist is like facing the wrong way. Mm. That sounds terrible yeah so be careful
0: um, Jimmy what have you been working on other than the pipes make anything
1: <laughs> uh, well actually yeah I'm I, I'm gonna do I believe this Saturday I might I haven't started it yet but it's a simple build it's the anvil an anvil base a mobile anvil va- base 2.0 it's an idea that came to me right after I did the first one. So I'm going to do a second version of that this week because I have a, an anvil that in the, my other shop I want to make mobile. So I'm going to make this uh, mobile anvil anvil base, which is much simpler and easier for anybody who's looking at it to go, ah, I can make that. So this is going to be one of those uh, uh, ideas that I think a lot of people will try and mimic because it's a lot easier than the first one I made. So I'm going to try and get that done. But in the meantime, I started a desk for Taylor studio. So that's uh, an, a woodworking project. So that's, and she's going to do the welding part. So we're going to do that together. And that started. I don't know when that'll be out, but that started. And I also started my large machinist box. Uh, I'm working with Starrett tools. And they've given me so many beautiful heirloom quality tools that I'm just sticking them in all these different drawers. I was like, wouldn't it be nice to have one tool chest where I could put them all? And if you know, machinist toolboxes are always small. They're like 20 inches, 30 inches at most, wide, 12 inches deep, 18 inches tall, and it's just never enough room. And I have 10 of them, and they're like I never know what's in them because I have so many of them. They're all everywhere. So I said, wouldn't it be nice to have one big one that would look cool just because it's fun and it's a fun build. So I started that this week. And I see it up. I showed a little bit on Instagram, and uh, I wish I could remember that guy's name. I'm going to look him up before the end of the podcast and give him a shout-out. Somebody, uh, I was doing some Illustrator tips, and he responded, and Dave, mm. you saw that too. Yeah. <clears throat> he responded with a, a really cool tool in Illustrator, which I've never used, which I have to the try. The Shape Builder tool. Yeah, The shape builder tool, yeah. So a uh, shout out to him. I'll, I'll come up with his name in a minute. I'll look on the phone. And uh, so I'm going to put that together. So it, it starts out as like a CNC project, but then it goes into a traditional woodworking project because I have uh, 13 drawers in it. And the main body of the toolbox itself is all CNC slapped together. Oh, and then I don't know if I, I talked. I showed since we, maybe since we podcasted, I showed some, some of the Walmart stuff. I don't know if I showed it. I might've showed it before Mm. the last podcast. I can't remember, but I got some hand samples. Uh, I got some production samples of the Walmart stuff. It's going to be going into stores and I got a nice reaction on Instagram from that stuff. So that's cool. It's the, uh, the four projects that will initially go into the store. And uh, so that's exciting. We're going to start heavily marketing that through my, Social media, once probably be in the stores in early March. We're finding out, but it's in the shipping system. The first truckloads, sixty thousand pieces are going to the stores. So ah,
3: yeah.
2: that's
1: crazy. It's it nuts. Is. Yeah, that is we'll totally see. nuts. There might be sixty thousand paperweights or sixty thousand. <laughs> <we'll see. laughs> That's the, uh, the the anxiety of – imagine imagine the anxiety of hitting publish and hoping you get like, you know, 100,000 views. Imagine the anxiety of shipping 60,000 pieces and hoping somebody's interested in buying them.
0: So with your previous products that you've made, I mean, I know you've – I know they're done in like batches, so it may be hard to figure out. But what's the what's the most or the biggest quantity of product that you think – and I guess I'm not talking about toy stuff previously, you know, in your – more recent years, like how many ice picks have you shipped? How many blades? Somewhere, how ice many... picks
1: somewhere in the vicinity of 10,000, but we haven't so really this, done. So
0: this is just way past anything that you've ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've done millions of product, millions of units of the gurgling guts. We sold several million units of the gurgling guts. I wasn't, I wasn't involved with the, the production, so I don't know exactly. I yes. just was a licensee. So, but I know, you know, collectively we got millions of dollars in, in uh royalties but i split it four ways that was 25 years ago so i mean i don't have any of that money now it sounds like a lot of money but after all said and done like i said we split it four ways because there were four partners on the project and you know whatever whatever it's it sounds like a lot but it's not a lot long story um this walmart project is uh interesting we're not making a tremendous amount of money on it because there's like very slim margins everywhere but Howard says, "Once we get the second order and the third order, then we'll be making money because that means it's in to sell." Hmm. So right now, you know, and we we had a dilemma. We came to a a point, and I don't know. This could be more of a this might be a better conversation than the one we were going to maybe have. But in general, we had a point where we we realized the profit wasn't going to work, and and Howard and I had a had a, like an ethical dilemma. Like, do we just pull the plug on this and say we can't do it? Hmm. Because after all said and done, we're not making a lot of money, you know. But then we we went back to them, told them our dilemma, and we re- rearranged the pricing structure. We and be, that was before we had a North American factory, you know, because we, we had to consider so, so much shipping expense because of the the global problems. And now we're in North America, so we just literally have to truck something across the border, and then that's not a big deal compared to putting it on a boat from China. So. Howard said this, which is a really good point. He's like, if we do this one time and it doesn't work, at least we could say we sold the product to Walmart. And now we know. If we pull the plug on it now too soon before we figure it all out and we say, yeah, we could have been in Walmart, but we didn't take the chance. So Mm -hmm. his point was, I'd rather go through this exercise and learn from it and see where it goes than be scared and say, let's not do it. Yeah. You know, but I mean, but faced with the consequence of spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to make exactly the same amount back and come up with nothing. That was right where we were like, this isn't even worth it. Let's just, let's just pass on it. Maybe there'll be a better project. Maybe there'll be a better, but then when we, We went back and we discussed that with them. They're like, "All right, let's rearrange the pricing structure so you guys make some money. Let's figure this out." But then we also got a factory in North America, which added some, you know, added a lot of profit back into the mix. But the uh, the idea of sometimes you get presented with opportunities, and you got to ask yourself, "This isn't going to be profitable. It's not going to be anything. But is it worth it to at least say that I did it? Is it worth it for the story? Is it worth it for the experience?" is it worth it for saying, you know, I've been to the mountaintop? Yeah. I didn't get to stay there, but I've been there.
0: You talk a lot, you know, you said several times, I think you said it last week, you know, what if everything goes right? And I think that is an awesome way to look at any possibility, that Mm -hmm. it could work out perfectly. Our inclination often is to go with what is the most – what is the worst possible scenario? And we turn that into the most likely scenario. <laughs> That's is, <laughs> a really good way to put that. <laughs> which is pretty unrealistic in, in almost every situa- situation of our that. lives. Yeah. Rarely do things go as badly as they can go. You know, yeah. So it's usually somewhere in between. And I think you're making a, a great point where when you look at potential for something like, well, okay, if it were worst case scenario, is it really that bad? Is it right. going to sting for a little bit and leave right. a bruise, and then I'll be okay, or is it going to like ruin me?
1: Because right. those are
0: different things, you know. Right. I mean, and you we're know, looking actually
1: at doing. The, sorry to cut you off, but that brings me a way to relate our our unspoken concept topic is ego. Hmm. A lot of times we'll say to ourselves, "I'm not going to do that because I don't want to look stupid." Yeah. You know. You know how many times I brought up Walmart to somebody and like, "Oh my God, they're going to ruin your life." Every single time. Oh my God, they're they're the worst. I'm like, they're not the worst. This is an opportunity for me to develop my business skill, develop my product development skill, develop my packaging skill, develop my acumen for figuring out where things could be made in America, in North America. So the person that's going to have that ego be like, I'm not getting involved with them. That's the worst. Yeah. Their ego is running the show. Their ego is telling them, they're not being vulnerable. They're not willing to be vulnerable to see where things go.
0: Yeah, I think you have to be prepared for a certain amount of, of I don't want to say failure.
1: No, you do. You I just got to be ready for everything, but you got to be vulnerable.
0: Yeah, I, I think failure is thrown around as uh, incorrectly, a lot, yeah. whatever. But I, I think... Um, You have to be willing for things not to work out like you expect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's terrible. So we're looking at doing a bunch of stuff right now over the next year. We're trying to, like, make products. We're looking at new types of of content that we can make um, all over the place. And all of those things have potential to eat a lot of money and not create any money. (laughs) Potentially. You know what I mean? But, I mean... Even if that's the case, like we lost some money on trying something, no. But like I said, that's what you got to be. You know, you got to be vulnerable.
1: You got to be vulnerable because what you're doing is you're you're going to you're going to business school. You're you're getting your MBA. Because at the end of the day, you're learning on the job. This project that I'm doing with Walmart might be a huge failure, but it's going to set me up to do the next project that won't be a failure.
0: Yeah, you're going to have tons of stuff in place that you could immediately pivot to store X, you know, or, yeah. or product X and be like, Oh yeah, we can get that manufactured or we can get yeah. that a different thing put in the same. And shelf. now we're,
1: you we're learning, you know, the, the ins and outs and the, uh, and the very deep well of complicated problems working with these big retailers. And we're like, you know, looking at it and it's like, Oh, it's not as bad as it seems from the outside. Cause now you're on the inside and you get to see all the boxes need to be checked. And you're like, all right, it's not as bad as it seems.
0: This brings up a whole different thing, so mm-hmm. we're 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 on a, a totally different path here. Yeah. David, jump in if you have something. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to cut you off on any of this stuff, but do we thrive? Do you thrive? Do I thrive on on taking gambles? Well he I on was this stuff
3: you say gamble, and I was just thinking like as we progress in our businesses or in our life or in our experiences, those you never gamble. You never go to the casino and go all in with your life savings. You always—I don't gamble, but you. It, I would imagine you just you take a certain percentage and then you you put that full you 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 put that into the machine and pull the crank, and then maybe as your business grows and you have you make more money, you still never go all in. You only put that calculated like I can lose this much and be okay. That's the worst case scenario. Maybe I don't lose all that much. Maybe 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 something. Maybe everything goes right. So you just never go all in. You just go a percentage in. And as you grow and as your business grows, that percentage gets a little bit bigger.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's a safe way to do it, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if I – can, I can only speak for myself, but I'm also going to kind of speak for the three of us because we're in a business that requires us to kind of gamble a lot and kind of try a lot of new things. Mm-hmm. Are we drawn to uh, putting ourselves in potentially dangerous, uh, like business dangerous situations? Because I know a lot of people like, you know, I, I create project product X and I sell it and it's, it's going well. And so now I'm just going to like hunker down and do that thing because I know it's stable and because I know that it has potential and that it has worked. And I'm going to, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm saying, is that a smarter way to do things? Are we, are we drawn to the, the opposite, like the danger side of it or the potential, you know?
1: No, I think being on YouTube to be successful, to be on YouTube and to be a content creator, you have to be in varying degrees. You have to be Colin first every time you do something, it has to be the craziest, biggest, most dangerous, collapse your front lawn kind of thing. Maybe. But then you always come to the other side and it's like, ta-da, what do I do now? Do I build a big hydraulic robot that throws fire? So I always compare like, in a way, like Colin Furs is the bar. Like every every time we do something, and I'm nowhere near, I don't do his projects, but I always laugh about how Bigger, better, but then, for instance, this week I'm going to do a simple little anvil stand that rolls around your shop. Not a big deal, but in my own little way, I do the, I do the trailer, which was a very big, dangerous project for me because there's a lot of, at stake. There's a lot of money at stake, and I got to please several people. And it came through. It worked. It drove away. I haven't heard a thing. Everybody says it looks great. So there that was it. So that was my own little Colin First project in a way where I'm stepping way outside my comfort zone to say, let's see what happens. Same thing with this Walmart deal. You know, me and Howard are putting a lot of, a lot of money on the line. At the end of the day, we'll make it at least back, but the, the idea is to make it back over and over and over again. But we won't know until we do the first step. We won't know until we say, all right, well, Let's hold hands and jump off the cliff and see where it goes. <laughs> Hopefully we land feet first in the water. Um, but you don't know. You don't know. You got you to gotta take a chance. It all gets back to being vulnerable. It all gets back to taking chances and getting outside your comfort zone. Even if it's just a little thing. I say that all the time, and I don't mean in a way like dig a, dig a tunnel from your workshop to your kitchen door like Colin's doing. But get outside your comfort zone, you know. Whatever that might be, do a veneer project if it seems scary to you. You know, make something with hardwood, even though all you read about is how everything's gonna fall apart and explode on a dry day or on a wet day. <laughs> Step outside yeah. your comfort zone.
3: I um I have a history of not doubling down on successful videos. I think my two most successful videos are welding well, like welding in quotes, welding aluminum, so brazen aluminum, and screen printing. They have millions of views, and they have nothing to do with what I do, what I enjoy doing most. So I've not doubled down on those type of videos. I, I've i just continued to do the projects that I, that I love. And there's a couple other videos where I'm like, make this project with only a drill and a jigsaw, and they've done well, but they're not the way that I really enjoy doing videos. So I keep doing... I, I I I don't go. I just don't double down on the successful and just continue to do what satisfies me the most.
0: I think that's the thing you're doubling down on, though. Mm. Okay. On the satisfaction. So uh, similarly to that, I don't mean to pull to steal what you were saying and put it on myself, but that's what we do here. I guess that's what we so, do. Um, I, I last week put a thing on Instagram and just said like, hey, you know, like I want to do these car videos, like I. I wanna I have a bunch of parts I wanna put on my Land Cruiser. Or like replacement things or additions. Like they're not really making things, they're just like car stuff. And like I may as well film it, but I don't think it makes sense on the main channel. And so I was asking people, where should we put this? Should we even do it? You know? And because I was throwing around the idea of maybe like making an auto channel that's just car stuff and it could be whatever it could be fixing it could be you know replacing it could be upgrading restoring I don't know what I don't know so the response I got is where I'm headed with this the response I got from people was overwhelmingly yes make those videos those repair videos those replacement upgrade add stuff to your vehicle I don't care where you put it it doesn't matter if somebody doesn't care they won't watch it if somebody does care like me then I will watch it no matter where it is which was nice But the thing that that was even more interesting was how many people said, "I don't watch your videos for what you make. I watch your videos because of your attitude and because you're the fact that Mm. you're exploring things that you have no business doing or no idea how to do or whatever." And it was that type of sentiment from people, and that it reinforced to me that, like, and you're saying what you're saying, doubling down on the thing that was successful may not be interesting to you you're doubling down on your passion for things your passion for Mm. on the fact that you want to make a thing and you're doing more of that and that's i think absolutely what we should be doing Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um so i'm i'm i was kind of knocked off guard a little bit from that because i think i get into the habit of like well people think of me as this thing people think of me as this thing and this is what they expect of me and and i was told from the people that like that's not what we think of you we think of you as a problem solver and as someone who is willing to figure stuff out along the way. And I'm like, oh, well, that's gratifying. Mm. I can do that. <laughs> I can do that all day. You know. Anyway, Jimmy. It's funny.
1: Done. I mean, I, I, I meant to write to you, and I got sidetracked. But when I saw you ask, should I start a new channel for this, my pr- impulse was no. Put it together with the whole kit and caboodle because this is Bob's world, and this is what Bob's working on. I mean, that's how I look at my life. <laughs> I, I've never even had the impulse to start a second channel because it's already confusing and annoying enough to do one. If I had two, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would never have the attention span. You would to have to get another
3: phone just to look at those comments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a third phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, when I saw that, my impulse was like, I like looked at my phone. I was like, no, 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 keep it on the same channel. Just it's it's all you. It's all you. It's it's you figuring out this new thing. It's just another thing. Yeah. It's not necessarily wood or laser or printing or this or that. It's just another thing in your world.
0: Yeah. And that was a lot of people had that same thing. It was like, you know, the, the idea, the ethos of making, being a maker and of making things and of improving things doesn't necessarily mean you're starting from scratch every time. It means that you're turning one thing into another thing. And so from that perspective you know, putting an air compressor in the hood of your car so that you have an air compressor all the time is making one thing into another thing. And I hadn't looked at it that way, so I, I thought that was useful. Anyway, all that to say, all that back to you, David, was that maybe you're not doubling down on subject matter, but I think that same thing could apply to where you are actively doubling down on Constantly trying to pursue the thing that you're that you care about, the thing that's interesting to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, that would mean a lot more than like, let's do another screen printing video. You know? Right. Right. But but dang, oh, those I, screen printing wanna... videos do
3: so well. And, do. <laughs> and the funny thing is when I look at the analytics for that video, a lot of the traffic is coming from your screen printing video, Bob. <laughs> and so I, I'm assuming like we're both just getting a lot of traffic back and forth.
1: I did one too. I wonder. I haven't Probably. looked at it in so long.
3: A lot of students, a lot of students will say uh, yeah. my teacher sent me to this video, which makes I lo- oh, that's great. I love that. That makes me so happy awesome. that an instructor is saying, "Hey, go watch yeah. this video."
1: Wow. Oh, I'm going to be on a podcast tonight. I'm going to be on the uh, You're on a podcast right now. Of... No, I'm going to be I'm going to do a podcast <laughs> for uh, high school shop teachers. Tonight. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh. Wow. I'll, I'll post all about it, but um, the bigger point we were going to talk about today, which I wasn't really formulated, but now I think it might have a little bit more of a, 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 a of an in focus concept, is the idea of being vulnerable and and how much you got to ask yourself. I'm talking to the audience in general, and you guys, you got to ask yourself how how much. I'm turn my telephone <laughs> off. Sorry, one of my three phones is ringing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, it's my Illustrator phone. <laughs>
1: Hello, illustrator <laughs> phone. Yeah, this is my illustrator phone. Um, how, how much, how, how vulnerable are we allowing ourselves to be and how much what we do is controlled by our ego, hmm. you know, on a day-to-day basis? And, 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 how, and, and how, how are you holding yourself back, allowing your ego to be in control as opposed to your passion? which is why I said this is a little bit more focused than when we first started talking. You know, you see people, you meet people in your day-to-day life and they have such an ego that they're like they're kind of like a fist. And they think they're being cool, but you look at them from a thousand miles away and you're like, you are so uptight, you have no idea what you're leaving on the table because you're not allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that might be on the simple edge, be willing to look stupid for a laugh or just be willing to look stupid because... You, you, you know, obviously, you know, being, uh, making friends with someone you might be attracted to, you know, that's being vulnerable. Your ego says, don't do that. You're going to look stupid. Mm.
3: Gosh,
2: on I a, just on saw a-, a
3: quote last night <laughs> and I, and I don't remember where it came from and I, and I don't have a source, but it was something about like, as a, as a creative artist, sometimes and it was a band, I think, somebody from some famous band was saying, sometimes you have to go, you have to put something out there that is just on the borderline of embarrassing.
1: Yeah, yeah, every day.
3: Huh. <laughs> yeah, and I, oh, If I can think of where I saw that and the exact that's quote. That's so
1: funny. You know, I so I'm very, I, I'm really, I'm a little uptight about the show that's coming out. I'm a little uptight that I'm going to look stupid, but I'm being vulnerable. But this is so funny. So the other day I'm watching YouTube, and in the middle of some long thing, I'm a huge fan of Foo Fighters and Dave Grohl. And all of a sudden, Dave Grohl thing comes up, and he's talking about making the 10th album. I'm like, is this a documentary? This would be great to watch. And then all of a sudden, I realize it's this whole scripted hokey thing about them making the 10th album in a, in a haunted house. Did you see this? Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard about it, yeah. And I'm like, if Dave Grohl's willing to look this stupid, <laughs> my Netflix show is no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're talking about being vulnerable and being willing to look stupid. I, it, I, I love the Foo Fighters for their music and whatever, but I just, I was like, well, Dave Grohl's willing to do that, and he's super successful. So, it's okay if I put out something on Chex Mix, and it looks kind of silly. Chex so. Mix.
0: Well, okay, so let's talk about ego for a second. So, a yeah. flip side of that, and I think maybe where I identify a little bit more is that I don't want to talk about comments again. I'm not saying that, but I have had a pretty negative reaction to certain types of comments in the past. And so I think that put up a guard in me that said, overthink everything so that you can avoid that type of interaction in the future. And that has caused me to to withdraw a bit and to pull in what I would normally just, you know, if I'm here by myself and I see a thing that needs to be made, I'm like, well, all right, there's a Sharpie right there. There's some wire. There's some blue tape. I'm going to make the thing. It doesn't matter if it's right. It doesn't matter if it works for a very long time. It can, I can do the thing right now. But I think in that defense mechanism is is attached to my ego. Yeah. It's attached to my my own perception of my how I am and stuff when that is wounded or responding to outside stuff that's my thing that i have to work on but i'm also seeing that it's affecting how i make stuff or what i make and what i don't make or yeah. what i think is valuable and not valuable to the world things that i could be of service to other people to mm-hmm. do but i'm like well i don't know that's going to that's going to cause this to say this and this i'm going to get this back and i don't like the fact that i am reacting to uh, I am I am doing a disservice to the people that I service because of my own ego. I'm trying to protect my own feelings, yeah. and I'm not saying that you should just like you know get beat up in the world. I'm not I'm not, but I was overreacting to that, and so yeah. I'm trying really hard now to That's not overreact that. to that. But anyway, okay. I'm glad you're now saying you that, that because
1: I noticed that about you in the last couple of years is that you can't control anything anybody else is going to do. Right. And and our ego says we think we can, but you can't. You can't control how your you know any anybody, even your intimately close friends and family. You can't control that you know everybody's their own free thinking individual. You just have to navigate through. And you know, generally speaking, it's oh my god! I thought you turned over. that off.
3: Or is that the fourth phone?
1: Yeah, that's his uh, PDF. I did turn it off, but why is it still ringing? It's on silent. Um, I still don't know how to like, I have 17 computers and three iPads and seven phones and one rings and they all go. So I don't know how to undo all that. But long story short is, you know, you just, we can't control what other people do. You just have to navigate through it. And, you know, they they say a lot of, uh, you know, the true testament of, the true test of your own personal ego and, and your own skill set. And I'm not saying I'm perfect by saying this is, is how you react. Hmm. It's how you react to something that's either, you know, adversity or trouble or how do you react? What is the first thing you do? Like, well, I walked into my room the other day and there's one inch of water on the whole entire dining room floor. What do you do? Do you <laughs> panic and call 911 and say, there's water come again? No. You know, you go, okay, we got to be cool, calm and collected. Somebody says something extremely hurtful to me in the comments. I just <sighs> delete it. And that's it, and yeah. move on. You know, and that guy isn't going to control anything about my behavior because he's damaged. He's damaged. He's the one that has something wrong with him because he looks at somebody and he has to say something bad. But yeah, I can't I control I've that.
0: I've run into that that same thing that you're saying. In I've had to give that example to my kids recently, um, that they can only control their part of an interaction. Mm -hmm. They can't control the other one. They can't. But their response is the thing that is going to carry forward. That's what's going to matter. That's what they can do or not do. That's what they can set an example with. All of that stuff. And in having to deal with that with them, I'm having to deal with that myself. I'm like, oh yeah. I guess what I said was pretty smart. Maybe I should listen to myself, you know, sometimes. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, I'm seeing that in myself that um my reaction to pull back and just to like to become more guarded and stuff I think it to a certain point is healthy but it, but I think I overcorrected so
1: guys I, I'm going to I'm just going to I hear backup beeping that could only mean that I'm getting a delivery which is a unexpected so let me just go look do you, you hear that backup beeping
3: mm-hmm, I do between the cats and the backup gold. beeping
1: Maybe I'm getting my gold bands. And on. the phone calls. And the phone <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hang on. I'm going to put you on mute. I'll be right back.
0: So he's getting like an, an entire shipment of new iPhones dropped off so he can put one in every other <laughs> anyway. It's that Walmart money.
3: <laughs> uh, so it's so much, it's so easy. So like you're, you're talking to your kids and you're teaching them this lesson. It's. It's so much easier for me to deal with somebody else's problems than my own. Like, if somebody else is having an emergency, I can be like, okay, let's talk about this. Let's think this through. But when I'm having my own little emergencies, it's like, it feels like everything is on fire. I can't, I can't, I have a hard time being calm and sitting down and thinking with myself. But I can do that so easily hmm. with
0: somebody else. I think some people are just really good at that. Yeah. I mean, I know, I mean, you think of, yeah, I, I think some people just have that built into them. Um, I'm better at it with other people. I know, uh, even with um, my own kids. Like when I look at when I look at other people's kids and their reactions, I have a, a lot more objective view of like, oh, well, hang on, this is what's actually happening. You know, if everybody can calm down for just a second. But then with my own kids, I'm like, ah, <laughs> don't act that way. That's, I taught you better than that. You know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Uh, I, so yeah, I think that's just pretty universal but
1: so that's not a delivery to me that is the the town giant excavator shoveling pounds and pounds of snow off the intersection at my house
0: Uh. just like dumping it in your driveway yeah well okay do do we have anything else on this we kind of got way off topic but we could probably do a part two on this yeah um tell you what if you're listening to this and you think there's more about this or uh, around ego or around the stuff that we've talked about today, let us know on Twitter How you know if there's something we could continue here. Because I do think that maybe we didn't get to all of it, but um, since it shifted gears, maybe yeah. that feedback would be good. Also, I want to throw this out there. I know that the RSS feed for the podcast has been all over the place and jacked up and doesn't work on player blank and is not updating on player blank I understand that. I'm working on it. It is, it is extremely frustrating. I guarantee you it's more frustrating for me than it is for you, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, I'm working on it. We're going to try to get everything wrapped up and settled. The, the feed that I put out for everybody to get, the updated feed, is the correct feed, but it is incomplete. So I am working on getting it complete. So that stuff is still in progress, and I apologize for it. You can blame Jimmy. For all of that stuff. I'm vulnerable enough to take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm going to thank our Patreon supporters. And you guys think of stuff to recommend. Scrambling right now. Okay. Uh, Big thanks to everybody that helps us out on Patreon. It makes it so that they know how to get the feed and how to get the episodes. and they help us pay for moving things from one service to another, which theoretically should work better but doesn't yet, but it will. <laughs> Big thanks to them, especially our top supporters, Odin Leather Goods, Full Steam Designs, Rich at Low End Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss, Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from ManCrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. But also, who haven't nice I said? Brandon Brendan Shaw. I think I said Brendan's name. Anyway, thankful for him too. Um, and all those people at Patreon at every level, even a dollar an episode, get the after show, which is more of us talking. Mm. Um, Jimmy talks about his Chex Mix show often mm. and other <clears> stuff. <throat> um, so if you want to hear that, it's another you know, 15, 20 minutes often of show after this. Uh, you can go join the Patreon. And that is at patreon.com slash making it. <clears throat> but also, if you're not interested in Patreon, that's totally cool. I get it. Would you mind, actively, this week, right now, hit pause in a second after I tell you what to do. Hit <laughs> pause and then go do it. Go to iTunes or to whatever podcast player you listen on and leave a review. Not about the the feed being messed up. Don't review that. We'll get that fixed. But about what you think about the show. Because from what everybody says those reviews really bump up uh, the show in the algorithms and get it in front of people who have never heard it before and I think that would be awesome not that I don't like talking to the same people that we talk to, but I would love for other people to be in on the conversation as well so if you could leave us a review I think that would mean a lot and it
1: would be pretty easy
0: and you can be honest, you can say that like Bob's really annoying, but I really like those other two guys <laughs> that's fine, I
1: don't <laughs> mind yes. Barry Katz's podcast the uh, Industry Standard which is a big favorite of mine his, he's got his like announcer, producer, who does it at the end. He goes, go and leave a comment, even if you think it sucks. That's how, <laughs> okay, that's yeah, how, the, pod, that's how the podcast always ends. <laughs> go leave a comment, even if you think it sucks. And it's that, that exact rhythm for five years I've been listening mm. to. Nice.
0: Cool. So. What do you guys got to recommend? I got a couple. So cool.
3: uh, one, I haven't watched, but I've skimmed through. And this was sent by a listener. And I'm sorry, I don't have the email in front of me. But... Uh, he, he said, hey, here's a workshop that you might want to check out. It's crazy organized, and it's a lot like yours. And it is nothing like mine. No matter how clean and organized you think my shop is, this is ten times that. The video is called One Million Dollar Workshop Tour, the most incredible shop I've ever seen. I haven't watched it, but I've skimmed through it and just been like, oh, my goodness, this is, this is bonkers. So that is the first cool. one. And then my next one is... It's a it's a recommendation for the two of you if you follow or watch MKBHD and his tech videos. Um, mm-hmm. There is an interview by this other channel called Colin and Samir, and it's a fifty minute interview, and it's called Inside the Mind of MKBHD, and it is such a good interviewer. the 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 two the two hosts are very knowledgeable. They ask good questions, and they're. Uh, just it, that's all I need to say it's a good interview so I've got two picks cool okay.
1: MKBHD what is what is he, that channel about he makes know. the
3: best tech review videos in the world okay it is phenomenal yeah
1: it's not Marquez is it yeah oh. yeah. yeah. Oh, oh okay yeah I watch him I didn't realize that so. yeah yeah I love him he's awesome
0: he seems like a cool guy. Like he seems like the guy you would just want to hang exactly. out with. Exactly. That's race. what makes his videos so well.
1: It's not he's a, so he's so calm and easygoing and likable. It's
3: it's it's the thing that you're talking about, Bob. People watch the videos for you, so just go ahead and put out the videos. It's like I I don't care about a Galaxy phone, but I'll watch his video on the 100%. Galaxy phone because <laughs> it's so good, and he's mm, got yeah. such a great personality.
1: Yeah. Cool. What you got, Jimmy? Uh, you guys watch True Rock and Roll True Stories? Yes, I do. Yeah, um, I love that yeah. channel. It, I, it pops up because every now and again, I listen to a couple in a row, and it's really good. It's just Rock and Roll True Stories. It's just some guy, and he just shows a couple of photos while he tells a story, and he just tells a story about something. In, and in the beginning, it's it's like, hey, this is how this is what I know to be true. Maybe it's wrong. Maybe it's right, but. Rock and roll true stories. This is great. I can
3: tell that the host of that channel is from the 90s because there's so many bands and stuff that uh, that, I'm like, oh, I gotta gotta watch this one because I have to know this story. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. He did a story the other day about Howard Stern, which can only mean like somebody that's like our generation. (laughs) Interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, So mine is a video that came out a little while ago, but from Jocko. He made the Hassle Grenade Challenge. And this video is from his his uh, No Shortcuts course that he's building out, which I'm really, really excited about. It's like a, like a company product development course. Um, and this video is one of the pieces that I think is going to be in it. But basically, it's just him saying, I have a little thing, little problem that I want to solve, and so I'm going to use it as an exercise to design a little product. And his... The problem is that, like, when I'm thinking, I don't want people to bother me. And so i want to put a little a light on figure. my desk where you just press a button and it lights up. And if somebody sees the red light, they don't talk to you. That's awesome. I, I
1: made a comment in the video that said I want that to wear on my neck so it never shuts off.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I was <laughs> a thinking people. a hat so that I, I could, of like, when, when my it, hat's yeah. glowing, the kids just leave me alone. That'd be kind of cool. But, <laughs> yeah. but mm-hmm. it's a really good – I mean, it's one of Jocko's videos, so it's good. It You know, but – also, I think it's just a really good way, an example of taking something incredibly simple and just making it look nice. Going a little bit above the, yeah. you know, Sharpie and the wire and the tape that I was talking about and and just like making a cool little product that may not turn into something that you would sell necessarily, but it's a thing that you can have on your desk that is does a job and is nice to look at. And the I one
1: thing Jocko brings to everything he does is sex appeal, and that's really important for a product. You know the the, the sex oh, the appeal products,
0: is not him. I thought you were talking about him.
1: <laughs> him too, no, because you know because he's European and he's got a sexy Italian accent and he's got a floppy great hair and sexy the... sensibility. And soon soon he's going to be skinny because he and I are both doing mm. the uh, weigh in <laughs> challenge every Monday. We've been weighing in. we're both losing weight oh. since the beginning of the year.
3: Nice. I finally got the email this week Slowly. saying my kinetic driver has shipped and has cleared the, oh. uh, the 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 border. So I'm like I'm so excited for this thing. It is a. Beautiful tool. I was getting worried
0: because I'm like, everybody's
3: getting theirs and I don't have mine yet. What's going on? (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, so go check out that video. And if his course is not, I don't think the Kickstarter has ended yet, but it's ending very soon. It may be today, honestly, but go check it out. I think it's going to be good stuff. All right, you guys got anything else? I think we're good. Right on. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you. Be more vulnerable, love you.